Isaiah chapter 11. But a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast. It is a podcast focused on helping us grow in our Catholic faith, and this is your host, Ann Ricefuss. Today we will be talking with Father Thomas Piccioni. He is a priest in the Diocese of Covington, Kentucky. The focus of our discussion today is how we are to use technology to keep us connected to the church during this time of restrictions due to the COVID-19 virus. So here is our discussion with Father Thomas. Good afternoon, everyone. Anyone that is watching, um, no, good afternoon to everyone anyways. Um, I decided that given the current situation uh, with being able to participate in the Mass physically and just uh, all the other restrictions, it brings up a, a lot of questions. And some of those questions have not been answered very well, and some of them the church has actually not really been able to answer because this is a new environment we find ourselves in. And so between the restrictions and technology combined, it really throws a monkey wrench in how we handle certain things. So I wanted to address some of those because I think there's a lot of confusion, a lot of misunderstanding, um, and just flat-out wrong beliefs about the liturgy, the sacraments, our responsibilities, our obligations. And so therefore, I was hoping that this would be a chance for us to be able to um, put the mo people's mind at ease. It might actually cause a little bit of distress. Um, I, I will say there's certain things that the church, again, has not made an official declaration on, so I'm going to give my views. And if I'm given my view, I will express it that that is my view of things and how we should approach it. Um, and then what we're going to do this is kind of a question and answer format. I have somebody with me, they're kind of off camera a little bit, and they're going to be asking questions um, pertaining to this, some of the questions I've already kind of devised of my own, and then if there's something I say that maybe they're not quite understanding, it gives them a chance to ask the question. So if you're hearing a voice that sounds not like mine, I'm not a ventriloquist, it is not my voice. Um, we're going to try and keep this within the hour, but it might go over a little bit. Anyone that knows who I am knows that I don't do anything short, um, except for my hair, and you can blame Mother Nature on that one. But otherwise, uh, we're just going to go ahead and get started. Um, it'd be nice if I could have call-in, but that would probably drive me crazy, so maybe it's better that we didn't have it. But uh, again, I'm going to try and answer some of the questions, and, and again, this is a, a new area to some degree. And I'll explain what I mean by that as we're going on. But it's a new area when we look at all the conditions combined. So we'll go ahead and get rolling with you know, one of the first questions. And then from there, we'll just kind of take it. Now, many of these questions are intertwined. So some issues are associated with other issues. And so as I'm answering one question, I might get into an answer of another question. And I might find myself kind of bouncing back and forth. So that's the nature of the beast. Um, so. I was going to say, raise your hand and ask a question, but I can't see you raising your hand. So why don't we just go ahead and start with the first question or the first issue, and we'll just go move from there and see how things roll. And if it turns out that it's all messed up, we'll just delete the whole thing and start over again. <laughs> so what is the first issue that really needs to be brought up? Yeah, well, Father, I first just want to say thank you so much for myself and for everybody mm -hmm. watching or listening to this later for taking the time to do this. I think um, you hit the nail on the head by saying that there's a lot of confusion out there, and hopefully you'll be able mm -hmm. to shed some light for all of us. 
Um, I was thinking maybe a good place to start would actually be able to say, under the normal circumstances, would you just review for us briefly, maybe what is the expectation of the Sunday obligation for us Catholics? So when you say normal means when there are no restrictions. Correctly, like, yes, when there are no restrictions. Okay, well that's a good thing. Start obligation. off with the basic, mm -hmm. you know, let's just assume normal conditions here. Our obligation on Sunday is presuming that it does not cause a burden, an excess burden to us, and by burden I can get into that in just a little bit, but, and that we are not restricted because of health, our Sunday obligation is to attend Mass. That means a Mass that is officially structured, that is being celebrated by a priest in a community setting. Um, places around the world have different ways of governing that. For example, in our diocese, we're not allowed to have mass outside without permission of the bishop, which means if a priest decides to have mass outside and he did not get the permission of the bishop, that is called illicit, meaning that it is not proper. And for people to go to that knowing it's not proper would be a sin, but the mass itself might be valid, but you're actually committing a sin by going to mass, which kind of is contrary to what the whole purpose of going to mass is. But we are obligated to go to Mass in a church building, if that is what our diocese directs, and to offer worship. Now remember something, there's two things that we have to take into account, this is very important. We have the obligation that is dictated by the church, and that obligation is to attend Mass on all Sundays and all Holy Days of Obligation. That is a minimal requirement that is established by the church. We also have the third commandment, keep holy the Sabbath. And that's an important thing because people confuse those and think they're automatically one and the same. The church says in order for you to adhere to the third commandment as a Catholic, you have to go to mass, not a church service mass. It has to be a mass by a valid priest celebrating the sacrament. If you cannot get to mass, that does not in any way eliminate the responsibility to keep holy the Sabbath. And one of the ways to keep holy the Sabbath is to minimize the work that you do. It is to ensure that you offer prayer time. Um, if you can't get to Mass, you should still read the scriptures if possible. But you should spend time giving that over to the Lord. That is the Lord's day, and we are called to honor that regardless of whether we can get to Mass. But if you can get to Mass, you are morally bound by it. And just remind everybody, Missing Mass intentionally, and by the way, sleeping in late and saying I woke up late is not an excuse. Missing Mass intentionally on Sundays and Holy Days is considered a mortal sin. We've kind of lost sight of that. So that is our obligation as Catholics. Um, now as far as you can say, well, what part of Mass do I have to make it to? Well, this gets into a whole other area because you need to do your best to make sure you get to as much of it as possible. You can't say, well, I made it to communion, so therefore it counts. Wrong. The Mass is a prayer. It has a beginning and it has an end. In fact, Mass is a ritualistic prayer, and I've brought this up before. That's important. The Mass as a whole, as a ritual, is which we are called to participate in, begins with the procession of the priest. At that bell ringing, if they have a ringing of bell, or the music starts when the priest begins to make his entrance. That's when the ritual begins. The Mass as a prayer does not begin until he does the sign of the cross. 
the Mass as a prayer ends when he does the final blessing, because that is the final, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you're kind of ending the prayer. But the Mass as a ritual does not end until the priest actually leaves. We are, as Catholics, obligated to participate in the ritual of the Mass and not just the prayer as much as possible. If we get there late, whether it is because we are being lazy, whether we are distracted, whether just because whatever, we go as much as we can. If you show up continuously five minutes late to Mass every week and thinking, well, I still made Mass, if you want to bring that up before Jesus, you're more than welcome to, but I don't think he's going to be as lenient because it's an obligation for us to participate fully to what the church has governed for us to do. We are not a minimalist faith. You don't look and say, what's the minimum I have to do? People ask the question, well, what point in Mass do I have to make it in order to meet my Sunday obligation? The beginning. When you're starting a race, you don't say, excuse me, um, ref, but can I start 20 yards ahead when we win this race? Or can I come in a little bit later and then start running and then have it not count against me? It doesn't work that way. When do you start Mass? When the Mass begins. You have any questions? When do you leave Mass? When Mass is over. The full Mass, okay? So let's get that clear. Anything else that is not outside of your control, meaning if you come in late, if you leave early, if you don't give yourself full participation, you're in sin because you are obligated to pray that in its entirety as part of the minimal Sunday obligation and Holy Day. So that is an important thing. I didn't mean to get that much into it, but it's good to cover the basics before we even begin because this will impact what we talk about later. I find myself getting a little bit riled up, so if the volume goes up on your TV, just uh, hit the mute button. Okay, so hopefully that clarifies that point. I mean, there's much more could be talked about, but I think that covers that. I think that's great, Father. Thank you so much. I think that was really just insightful mm -hmm. for, for so many. Um, I am going to say, so now let's you know, take things to where we are currently. With We're in the middle of this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic that is hitting us, and so... Um, it seems that the Pope, the bishops have decided to um, let us kind of out of that Sunday obligation. Will you explain that a little bit? Like, are we excused from any obligation of attending Sunday Mass from the bishops right now? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, just to clarify. Remember, as I, I said at the beginning, for Catholics, our obligation is to attend Sunday worship. That is governed by the church. That is the church's way of determining whether or not we're meeting the third commandment of honoring the Lord on the Sabbath day, Sunday being our new Sabbath. If the church, as the authority, says that people do not have to go to Mass, then you are not required to go to Mass. And we are in actually in a situation where the church has itself governed for the good of the people, and this is their right. They are the one that determines that, and they, as the church, establish what is morally good for the people. Because we have to remember that the spiritual good and the physical good and the emotional good, they're not disconnected. You can't ignore the physical good of the people and claim that, well, spiritually we're not being nourished even though we're going to put ourselves at risk physically. So the church has determined that mass 
is not required because it's a community setting and it puts people at risk. So therefore, going to Mass is at this point not an obligation on Sunday. Anywhere, you simply don't have to go. Now, I'll touch on other areas of, of that as far as my own thoughts, but you are not required morally, I should say, legal, legalistically. You have not broken any canonical laws. You have not defied the authority if you don't go to Mass. In fact, you defy the authorities if you do try and get into a Mass. If you try and sneak into a church during a private Mass, you actually are committing a grave sin because you are in direct disobedience and plus you are putting others at risk. So you're actually committing two sins. We could keep going on, but I, I won't. So, however, just because you are not required to go to Mass, remember, the third commandment still is in effect. Keep holy the Sabbath. You are still required to, in some way, spend time in praise of worship of God. It can be extra rosary time, reading of scripture. It can be meditation time. And when I say meditation, that does not mean sitting in a yoga pose before a TV. It means Catholic meditation of quiet time with the Lord, you know, spending time before the crucifix. And because Mass tends to be roughly an hour, and people are thinking over there, Father, your homilies last an hour. Well, then for people of my parish, then you should spend at least, at least, the same amount of time that you would spend in church on Sunday doing something else of a spiritual nature. Now, has the church said that, that is an absolute? No. But if you look at the third commandment and take and look at the situation, if you can't make it to Mass, your obligation for Mass has been abrogated. You're not required. But that does not eliminate the requirement to still make Sunday a day of worship for the Lord. And that is such an important thing that has very rarely been taught or in any way encouraged. So people in nursing home, even if they can't make it to Mass, they should still spend some time in extra prayer, reading the scriptures as best they can. If you're sick, you should not use it as an excuse like school. I mean, let's face it, when you're sick and at home at school and there's a homework assignment, you're still expected to do that homework assignment, aren't you? As best as you can, or at least make it up. Well, God expects the same thing. Now, if you're so sick that you can't even, you know, do anything, that's different. You do what you can do to the best of your ability and that is a moral requirement to honor the Sabbath. So under normal or under the circumstances, people do not have to go to Mass even on Sunday. You don't have to go to Mass during the week, but on Sundays you do not have to go to Mass. You do not have to watch it on TV. You do not have to participate in the Mass in any way, but you still have to honor and worship the Lord in some degree. All right, was Thank there anything you. else that I missed on that? That was wonderful. Um, so even though we're excused of our obligation, um, there are many priests, including yourself, who have really put yourself out there and are doing some live streaming of masses through Facebook, through YouTube, things like that. So describe for us, is that something then, why should we watch that? If we're excused of having to go and we're excused of that obligation, um, why are you doing that for us and, and should we be watching? All right, this, this is going to open up a whole area of things, so I'm going to touch on multiple things here. Um, first, it is important, and, and Father Be uh, Steph Bandcamper wrote a nice article in The Messenger when people said Mass has been canceled, and he said that's really a 
an inaccurate and actually uh, an unhealthy um, and dangerous way of looking at it. Mass has not been canceled. Priests are still, I'm still offering Mass every single day. Mass has, for the public, is simply not allowed, meaning the, the public is not allowed to be at the Mass. But the Mass is still being celebrated. It is still being offered. So that's an important distinction. Masses have not been canceled. The doors have just been shut. Big difference. Now, why should we watch it, then, if we're not obligated to? Well, plain and simple is, why do you go to Mass to begin with? I mean, what is the whole reason that we go to Mass? And people say, well, I have to. Well, no, you don't have to. Even as a Catholic, you don't have to. You've got free will choice. You have to if you want to actually end up in the gates of heaven. You have to if you actually want a decent relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to if you want to be in right relationship with God and, and be obedient to the church. In that case, then you have to. But if the Mass has been, basically we've been given a dispensation from attending Mass and it's being live streamed, why should we do it? The answer is simple. Do you love God or not? And if the answer is yes, and I hope the answer would be yes, is anyone out there, I assume that if you're watching this and if you're saying, I don't love God, you'd be doing things like watching Netflix, um, which I do not recommend people do. But anyways, an important thing to realize at this point, and this, this is something that's going to, you know, might shock some people. Watching the Mass on TV because you are not allowed to be physically in the church, because you're restricted from being physically in the church, this is important, because you are being restricted by the authority of the church to not allow to physically be present in the building, participation in the Mass in the way that is available actually provides you with the same grace as if you were physically present in the church. So why should you watch it on TV or on the internet? Because you're now entering into the sacrifice of the Mass. And this is crucial, because I'm going to talk about this in, in a little bit more detail when we get into communion um, stuff, because it's going to touch on that. The Mass is a prayer. And the Mass is not governed by boundaries as a prayer. You know, when the Pope says, why don't everybody at 3 o'clock all get out the rosaries and we're going to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet together. Do you think because you're in another country from the Pope that somehow you're not participating in that rosary? No. You're all participating in the rosary at the same time. You're entering into that prayer together as a people. When you watch it on TV, you're still entering into the Mass because the Mass is an event and you give yourself over to it by active participation. You, you listen to the words of the priest. You respond as best you can. If you don't want to say it vocally, at least in your heart you make the responses. It's beautiful to speak it out loud because that physical expression is important to us. You pay attention to what's going on. You listen to the words of the scriptures. You pay attention to the priest. Well, a lot of you fall asleep even in the church, so if you do, then do that. You know. But either way, however you respond in church. Well, some of you don't respond very well in church. Give it your best. And you enter into that. 
And you may be thinking, well, I can't enter into the sacrifice of the Mass through the TV screen, so why should I bother? In fact, there's been a lot of people that have, have said that watching it on TV is just, they say, it's not the same. Duh, it's not the same. Going to confession behind the screen and face-to-face, it's not the same. But guess what? You get the same grace of the sacrament regardless of whether you go behind the screen or face-to-face. Having confession in Walmart in the shoe aisle when nobody's around is not the same as being in a confessional, but it's still valid and you still get the grace of it. I've given confession to people in a Home Depot aisle next to a lumber cart. It was still valid. It was still meaningful and they still received the grace of the sacrament at that moment. Because when we look at a video screen, we think, well, I'm not there. Well, I can guarantee it. Sometimes I've looked out at the church and people are zoned out. They're not there either. Being physically present does not make you there. Participating in it with the fullness of it makes you there. Now, I'm going to give you some examples, and I want you to see how being part of the Mass through a video screen, people say it's, it doesn't count. It's not like being in the Mass. When I was a seminarian, we would do the March for Life, and they would have a, a Mass by the Archbishop of Washington, D.C. in the uh, cathedral there in Washington, D.C. There were so many people there that you couldn't get them all in the church. So people would be sitting in little side altars, people would be sitting off, you know, in the basement, people would be sitting in the vestibule, people would even be outside on the steps. So they were outside all around the place. Guess where they were watching the, t- the, the mass taking place? On a video screen. They would have tons of video screens placed throughout the church and people were watching what was going on through a video screen. Now let me ask you, were they participating in the mass? And you're going to say, well, they were in the building. No, some of them were actually outside the steps. They weren't even physically in it. Some people were in the basement. But they were counted for them participating in it because they gave it their best. They still responded. They still listened to the homily. They still listened to the scriptures. They still gave themselves over to Jesus at the offertory. And they still went through all that. Now, you're going to say, well, they were still able to receive communion. And we're going to touch on that later because that's a big thing here that I'm going to get all fired up about. But the idea of a video screen, watching it and thinking, well, I'm not participating, that's been around for over 20 years. Now, in my particular parish, we have houses that are right across the street. So if they were watching my mass in their living room, they actually would be closer to me and to the real presence than I was when I was at the cathedral in Washington, D.C., because as big as it is and where I was located, I was farther away from the altar than the people that live across the street are. So let me ask you, if you're dealing with proximity of it, they're closer. They say, well, they weren't in the church. I've already explained that. Now, when you talk about in the church, here brings another thing. I have celebrated Mass outside by permission of, I've gotten permission for that. There was no church building. The Pope has celebrated Mass outside. In fact, World Youth Day. There isn't a church in the world that holds all those kids. Where do they celebrate it? Isn't it like a soccer stadium, a football stadium? I mean, when they have a men's conference 
there in Cincinnati, they have it in, in, the stadium. in one of the stadiums. I don't know if it's Cincinnati Stadium or whatever it is, but one of the big stadiums. It's not even a church building. It doesn't even have a roof over it. So if you want to talk about the church building, if you have a mass that's in a stadium, are they participating? And guess what they're watching it on most of the time? I guarantee you, 90% of them are watching it on what? A big screen TV. They put a big projection up there. They can't hardly even see. I've been in, in conferences where you couldn't even see the altar. You were so far away. It looked like you know a little Muppet play going on there. But we are still participating, looking at a screen, not being able to see what was going on in a place that was not a church. Now, so far, guess what I've done? I've described your situation. Now, you're going to say, well, I wasn't close to the other people. We weren't in community. Talking about being close to other people, how many of you have been to one of my daily masses? I might have three people show up. They're so far apart that if they threw a rock, they wouldn't be able to hit each other. They're not even close to being in community with each other. I mean, I have people in daily mass that sit so far back that I can't recognize them. So it has nothing to do with being in community in that sense. It means being in community because we're all gathered together, worshiping as one people as best we can by offering ourselves in the single celebration of the Mass. That's what makes us community. And not only that, when you talk about well, we're not in a church building, you're absolutely wrong. Because what is the family called by the church? The domestic church. When you gather as a family in front of a TV screen or the internet or the computer screen and you're watching the Mass together and you're praying that Mass with the same intensity as best you can as if you were in a church, it is the exact same experience. You know why? Because what's being celebrated on the altar is the exact same sacrifice of Christ. And do you think that how close you are makes a difference to whether or not that sacrifice is taking place? Why do you think entering into that by hearing everything, by participating in everything, by responding to everything, is somehow less simply because you're not in a physical building. As I've already said, there's times that you go to Mass and you're not in a physical building. There's times that you go to Mass and you're watching it on a TV screen. There's times that you go to Mass that you can't be part of the action. The biggest difference with you being at home is you have easier access to the bathroom. But other than that, it's the same. Because the sacrifice of Christ is the same. And that's what the Mass is all about. It's a prayer. If I was doing a rosary, and you were praying the rosary at home, would you say, you know what, it's not the same. The, the rosary just, it was actually a, more grace flowed if I would have actually been close to Father praying the rosary than if I was at home praying the rosary with him. Would you ever say that? And you say, no. The Mass is a prayer. It's a sacrifice prayer. Christ offers that sacrifice through the priest and we enter into that sacrifice with him because it's not limited by space. It takes place. If the Pope is doing a Mass and you're watching it on TV because you can't actually get there, you are participating in that Mass. And you receive the exact same graces as if you were in the building itself. The same exact graces. You're going to say, well, I don't get to receive communion. We're going to get to that in a little bit. That'll be either a follow-up question or I can keep going on about it. But I want to help people understand 
We've already have experiences where people can't be in a church because there's been times in the history of the church where saints, pre-saints, have had to celebrate Mass in the street. In fact, Father Matt Cushing had, had given me an example, and I forgot which one of the priests it was. And I, I, My good old memory is about as good as my hair. Anyways, I can't remember, but there's been times, and it's been more than once, where the churches were closed. Oh, this happened a lot during the French Revolution, where they were basically destroying churches. In Japan, for many years, when they were, they were wiping out priests, they were, they were destroying churches, and they were killing priests, and they had to go underground. They were selling masks wherever they could find a ground. So it has nothing to do with the building. But they were present to it as best they could. The priest was actually out in the street, and people were up in their windows listening. That is the exact same as what you're doing now. The priest, but I'm actually in a church, but they were out in the street saying Mass, and the person was on a window. The only difference is they were a little bit closer with the earshot. Well, you're in earshot thanks to technology. Now, I'm going to make a clarification. It is the same only, only if you're restricted from being able to attend in person. Which means if we had daily Mass, and you were able to go to daily Mass, and you said, I want to watch it on TV at home, it's great that you're saying the prayer. It is not the same. That, I will tell you, is absolutely not the same. Because, under ordinary circumstances, the Mass as a prayer is governed by the church within a location within the church building, or if the bishop gives authority outside, but it is within the confines of whatever the priest is celebrating. So if you can get there and you simply choose not to, it is not the same. You do not get the same graces. And we're going to talk about spiritual communion, how if you can go to the church and you choose not to, you have no right to a spiritual communion because you're electing to not be in communion with the people and the church. Even if you're the only person there, you're entering a communion with the priest. This is an extraordinary circumstances, so we go through, you have extraordinary allowances. Because people need to realize that we are, again, I've said this multiple times, I'll say it again, we as the people are bound by the laws of the church and the laws of God. God makes up the laws. He's not bound by anything. So His grace through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, who is God, he can dispense however he wants in the manner that he wants. And if you participate in the only manner that's available to you, the graces still flow to you. So being at home does not lessen the Mass. What lessens the Mass is if you're not participating in it. But you know what? If you participate at the Mass at home because you're sick, Say you're sick and you can't get to Mass, and you say, out of respect for others and just out of my health and, and consideration for others, I stay home, got a flu or something, and you watch the Mass on TV and you participate, and somebody else is actually in church, and they're kind of zoning out, you know, the homily, they're kind of nodding off a little bit, they're not answering the prayers, they're not singing, they go to communion, they receive communion anyways, and they go off, 
and do whatever, and they leave, you know, as soon as, before the priest even gets down the aisle, the person at home has received significantly more grace than the other person that showed up in the church. We are a people of relational love. Our faith is not, as we said, we are not a faith of the book. We are, a faith, we are not a religion of the book. We are the religion of a person. We don't believe in the law as the Mosaic law. That doesn't govern our faith. Jesus Christ governs it. So somebody might show up for Mass here in the building and say, well, I've fulfilled my obligation. Wrong. From a legalistic standpoint, yes. From a spiritual and moral standpoint, the answer is no. Because our obligation is not to simply show up. It's to participate in the Mass wherever we happen to be. So I want to make that clear. So when people say it's not the same being at home, you're right. It's not the same. Physically, it's not the same. Spiritually, it's exactly the same. And our relationship with God is not about a physical, it's about a spiritual bond. I was going to say, does that make sense? But you won't be able to answer anyway. So even if you could answer, I can't hear you. So, Father, okay, that what's... was amazing. Yeah, it really does then depend on our level of participation to whatever degree that we can, which leads me into our next question. Um, so, you know, again, we are just so fortunate to live in the age of technology that we do, that we are able to be able to watch this through the Internet or through television in the comfort of our home during this time that we are required to not be in the, the church building. But I will tell you that many of us have gotten really comfortable at home and love to sit around in our jammies and drink our coffee. I think you kind of touched on this already, but I will tell you that we did get a Facebook question from this lovely lady named Adrienne who says that while she's watching Mass at home, how can she make sure that she's being reverent during the Mass, more specifically during the consecration? Would it be seen as inappropriate inappropriate to be drinking coffee or wearing pajamas during the Mass at home? Okay, simple answer to that. Would you do it in the church? And if the answer is no, then you don't do it at home. Now I realize that it gets a little more difficult because when you're at home, you're right, you feel comfortable. However, if you wouldn't wear it when you go to Mass, then you should ask yourself, why am I participating in this Mass? Again, see, we have to get past the legal sense of what's happening here. Somebody can say, well, I'm still there. Well, that's true. You could show up in your pajamas at church. I mean, I'm not going to throw you out of the church. I mean, if you were naked, I'd throw you out of the church. But, uh, well, I'd probably call the police. Anyways, but if you wore your pajamas in church, you're still participating. But is it proper? No. Remember something. And this, again, is so important. Your participation is a participation in the sacrifice of Christ, which means you enter into it with the fullness of who you are. And the more you enter into that, the greater of a channel of grace and the greater that you enter into union with Christ. So if you sit around in your pajamas drinking coffee, actually the minute you start drinking coffee, you've just actually made a mockery of the mass. And it's inappropriate. Don't do it. If you were drinking coffee inside the church, I would actually stop Mass and ask you to stop. And, and if you wouldn't stop, I'd tell you to leave. You don't do it at home either. The Mass is a reverential prayer of the infinite degree. 
and lounging around and sitting in your couch, sitting back and drinking your coffee while it's going on, you're really not participating in the Mass. You're watching it at that point. Just like if you were sitting in the back of the vestibule and the doors were open and you were kind of just hanging back there a little bit and not really paying attention and, you know, whatever, you're not really participating. From a legalistic standpoint, you could say, I was there. But from a spiritual and liturgical standpoint, I'd say you did not fulfill your obligation. Now, if you weren't feeling well, again, you give it as best you can. If you weren't feeling well and you're lounging around because you're, you're feeling sick, well, you wouldn't go to church anyways if you were feeling that bad. So in that case, I would say, yeah, you can lounge in your pajamas. But you should actually get dressed appropriately as if you were going to church. Because the reason why we, it's not the same is because we don't treat it the same. Oh, I'm at home, I can relax. Oh, I'm at home, I can do this. How many of you would feel proper if somebody was sitting in the front of church, pulls out their laptop, and starts clicking away on Facebook in the middle of Mass? We'd all think, not appropriate. So guess what? It's not appropriate at home either. Which leads to another discussion. How can we be reverent? We put ourselves in it as if we're actually in the, in the church itself. Because when you enter into the sacrifice of Christ, you are in his church. Because his church knows no boundaries. So therefore, you give it your best. If the church or the mass was being celebrated outside someplace, you don't say, well, you know what, I'm outside, so I'm just going to hang out in a sleeveless top and you know, wear my shorts and stuff like that. If you don't give God your best, then you are simply limiting your own ability to enter into that sacrifice of the Mass. So how do we be reverential? You treat it no differently than if you're in the physical presence of Christ in the church building itself. Because the church building in extraordinary circumstances has gone beyond the boundaries of physical walls and encompasses your own home. You become a part of the church. So people that are watching our church, when I'm live streaming this and you're watching this, the church walls actually, from a spiritual standpoint, from a divine standpoint, have expanded to go outside of you. And it works that way because guess what? If the church walls cannot limit heaven from coming down, heaven literally comes down into this building. Do you really think heaven is going to limit itself and says, oh, there's a wall there, I can't quite get out. I managed to get through it in the ceiling, but you know, I'm kind of like Santa Claus. We can get into the ceiling, but I can't. It doesn't work that way. God, as the divine being, sets the parameters of where that church boundary is. Church means, deals with community. We call the church, but it deals with the people, and you're a part of that. You enter into the church where you are, so you should enter into it the exact same way. So, no chewing gum, no snacking on it. By the way, if you're snacking on something during the Mass, when you're watching the Mass, you cannot do spiritual communion. It, the same rules apply. The only rule that doesn't apply is that you have to actually physically be in the building. That's the only rule that doesn't apply. All of the rules apply. You don't show up late and think, ah, oh. unless, of course, you, have, you, know, you had problems with the internet or something, which is normal. But if on Sunday, you can't show up halfway through it and say, I went to Mass. Now, we're going to get into that in a second because it also talks about, I said, that goes back to the first question about on Sunday, you don't have to actually watch it. But if you want the grace of the Mass, especially the fullness of grace of it, you give it the fullness of yourself. You participate. Uh, deals with like the consecration. If you're capable of kneeling, you should kneel. 
Now, there is no rule in the, the universal church that says kneeling is a requirement. In the, in the United States, that's the norm. But a diocese, a bishop has a right to alter that norm, and you can actually stand in its place as a sign of reverential respect during the consecration. Because there's some churches actually in the United States that don't have any kneelers. And they stand through all the parts that they kneel, and that's still acceptable. In fact, in the days of the old, you stood throughout the entire Mass. So if you can kneel, kneel. If it's too much of a burden, stand. If that's too much of a burden, sit. But when I say sit, that doesn't mean sit in a lounge chair and kick up your legs. You treat it as if you're in the church building, and if you do it in the church building, do your best to do it at home. Again, your house becomes part of the church. You enter into that divine liturgy, so that encompasses wherever you are. And so therefore, simple rule of thumb is, if you're watching it at home, would you do what you're doing at home, what you're doing in the church? Which brings up the whole Facebook thing. I realized we had an issue the other day with the sound. And people started typing away. Now, if you have an issue inside the church building itself, you would have a right to speak up. Say something's happening where Father's talking and suddenly the microphone system goes out and nobody can hear him. It would be perfectly acceptable for somebody to get up out of their pew, walk towards me and say, Father, and try to get my attention and say, hey, uh, your microphone's out, we can't hear you, something's going on, or Father, your head's on fire or something like that. I mean, that's, you would, to be able to make the mass become something that you can participate in you know, it's okay to speak up. Somebody gets hurt, you can say, oh, blah, 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 you got commotion going on over here. It's acceptable. To write commentary about stuff is not acceptable. Not during the Mass. If you're watching the Mass and something's happening, you say, you know what, this really stinks. I really wish Father would get his act together. Why can't they fix this? Why can't they do this? You know what, I'm just going to go off someplace else and do that. Whatever, that type of commentary is not proper because it's the equivalent of standing up in the middle of church and shouting out, you know what, Father, this stinks. I can't hear you, so I'm just heading out the doors. Would you ever do that? Now, some people might. Is it proper? Absolutely not. Now, for you to whisper to your spouse and say, oh my gosh, Father's talking too long. Well, I hear that all the time anyways. But, you know, that's still not proper, but at least it doesn't disrupt the whole thing. See, the problem with technology is we have to realize now that your audience is beyond you. When you type something, it's the equivalent of shouting it out in church. If you wouldn't shout out at it in church, you should not type it in thing. You should only do things in the Mass that are considered essential to be able to draw attention to it. And if somebody says there's no sound and somebody else says I can't hear either and somebody else says me neither, I don't need 57 other people saying me neither, me neither, me neither. Okay, we kind of get the point. You don't need to waste time reading other stuff. Because if I'm celebrating the Mass, the sacrifice is still taking place. And if you're sitting away typing away, you're no longer in the Mass. You've decided that typing away some comment is your way of participating. It's not proper. Now, if you type a couple of things and get back into it, you know, you've given it, you know, you, you still participated, but not to the level that you should. Any more than if you were sitting in the aisle of church 
and in the middle of the gospel, you decide, oh, I've heard this gospel before, and you pull out your Reader's Digest. Do you make those anymore? Anyway, you, you pull out a booklet or something and start reading it, or you start pulling out the bulletin, this big thing. You pull out the bulletin and you decide to start reading the bulletin during Mass. Totally inappropriate. That's kind of the same thing. You've pulled yourself away from the Mass, so you've limited the grace of it, not only for yourself, but for others. That's a whole separate homily. I won't get into that. So how do you respect the Mass at home? The same way you respect it in the church itself or wherever that's being celebrated. By giving it your best to the fullness of your ability. I know that when you're at home, it's a little bit more difficult. Kids are distracting. You're, the, the temptation to kind of maybe pick up your phone because nobody else can see you do that. That's all there. Which means, in some regard, if you give yourself fully to the Mass at home, with all those distractions and you can set them aside, you actually have entered into the Mass almost on a deeper level because you resisted the temptations that are not normally there. You've shown God that this participation in this Mass is so important to me that the normal distractions that I don't have to experience at home, at church, I'm going to set those aside for a moment. I'm going to resist this urge to you know, sit back and, and you know, just lounge a little bit. I mean, sitting at home at Mass like this and watching it and saying... Yeah, and with your spirit, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy. I mean, honestly, if Mary was sitting right next to you at home, is that how you'd respond? Do you really think she'd look over at you and say, nice job? No, she'd probably be like a mother and wring your neck and say, that's the Lord Jesus that's you know, offering this here. You sit up properly and you pay attention. That's what she would say. You might think, oh, Mary would never say that. Oh, you want to get for Mary, mother of our Lord Jesus, and see how a mom really acts to defend her, her son? Ooh, she can, be, she can be pretty tough. So, okay, what's next? I think I covered that. That was very good. Um, so it does sound like that if we, um, even though we're not obligated to go to Mass, if we really open ourselves up and fully participate, we can get a lot of graces from it. But does it matter if we're watching it live streamed versus a pre-recorded Mass? And that was one of the questions on Facebook as well, but that was also something we were going to discuss. Yes, that is a very important question. And the answer is, it is not the same at this point. And this gets into a theological conundrum because we're dealing with a situation here that is divine and yet still human. While the Mass is not governed by boundaries because of heaven, it is bounded by time. The Mass is an event that takes place within time. And when you don't participate in the moment that is taking place, because that sacrifice that's being presented by the priest, he's bringing Christ present in that moment. We're offering ourselves in that moment. We're hearing things in the moment. We're with the people in that moment. And when you watch it later, you're no longer in communion with the Mass itself. So if you're watching it live, you're actually entering into the Mass because the Mass is a real event that's taking place now. It's kind of like if somebody were in another country and you were doing FaceTime. Even though you're not together, you're communicating with each other and you're entering into a relationship because it's live. Now, if you pre-recorded all your responses and played them back later, it's not really engaging one another. So if you were to watch somebody later, you're not entering into that relationship with that person. You're just simply watching what they were doing. So, you know, people always talk about 
you know, God's not governed by space and time. We are, to some degree, governed by space and time. But the space has been taken care of. You know, that, because of technology, we're able to expand the space. Time, we cannot. We can't step outside of time. That's physically, you know, it's impossible for us as human beings to step outside of time and to exist in other different times. You can exist in different spaces to some degree because of the ability of technology. Technology has not warped time to be able to say what's happening in the past comes forward in the present. There's only one person who can warp time. That's God. And he does it in the sacrifice of the Mass. He brings what is in the past into the present, but that present moment is what we have to participate in. So if you watch it recorded later, it's a nice prayer, but you have not prayed the Mass. You simply said the words of the Mass, but praying the Mass, I should say you have not participated in the Mass. You have not received the grace of active participation because it's already happened. You can't, it's, there's not a do-over. And people say, well, that's not fair. Well, what do you mean it's not fair? If you don't make it to Mass on Sunday, can, you, you can't run up to the Father and say, Father, I'm going to pull out the lectionary and read this really quick, and I'm going to like shake a hand, and I'm going to do all the responses, and I'm going to grab, and you know, I want you to give me communion. Anyways, I said, do you really think that you participated in the Mass, even though you've done all the same thing that everyone else did earlier? No. So it's the same principle. You can't do a do-over of Mass. Now, for weekday Mass, you're not obligated to go even on normal times, so... You know, if you can make it, great. But you cannot say, if you, you can't watch it recorded and have it be the same thing. It's, it's a good spiritual exercise. Again, it's a nice prayer. But you do not receive the same grace of entering into the sacrifice of the Mass. Which means the amount of grace that flows into a recorded Mass is significantly, to an nth degree, Less, or I should say, it almost an infinite degree less, because the mass for us as human beings transcends spatial barriers, but it does not transcend uh, time barriers. So it's not the same. So now, again, we're in a strange situation because we're not obligated to go to mass at all. So somebody says, "Well, I can't make it." I said, "Well, you don't have to make it anyways. You're not being punished by it. But if you want the graces," then you do your best to be present to it, no different than in the real life. So we need to look at it in the same way. And some of these questions would be so easily answered if we would just think a little bit and say, wait a minute, does it apply in the regular normal time? I mean, if you miss daily mass, there's not a do-over. So there's not a do-over in a recorded mass. It doesn't work. Does that... Yeah, so if we find ourselves busy at the time that your masses are being live-streamed, it would actually be better for us to go ahead and go on the Internet, find a church that maybe has a mass at that time that we're ready to watch it live, and watch that would give us more grace than watching our own parish if it's recorded previously. Does that make sense? So, like, yes, is it okay so, yeah, to yes. watch a mass that's not our own parish if that time works out better well, for us? Yeah, I mean, it's, quote, okay, I'm going to say this in quotation marks, it's, quote, okay to go to another church. Actually, it's not okay. Canonically speaking, we are bound certain parish boundaries. You really are supposed to go to the parish within your boundaries. In the old days, that was really enforced. 
today it's not nearly as enforced, but really there is a moral re- obligation to attend a church that was within your boundaries because that becomes your physical community, so it also becomes your spiritual community. But yes, it is absolutely better. But if you miss Mass at your own church for some reason, then yes, it's definitely better to go to another church and go to Mass than to not go to church at all. So it's not a little bit more grace, it's a lot more grace. So if you miss the Mass that's being streamed that you want to, then find another live-streamed Mass somewhere and attend that, and you haven't done anything wrong. Okay, well that kind of brings us into another point that there are other dioceses that aren't too far from us that are offering other types of things. If I could mention that um, I have heard, and I'm not going to specify where, but um, some churches in other dioceses are offering an opportunity to kind of drive up and get communion. Um, I think so. It's probably time for us to go ahead and delve into that whole idea of spiritual communion versus the sacramental in-person communion. Father, would you explain that for us a little bit more? And if we wanted to, is it okay to drive to another diocese and get communion? Okay. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask you, since I can't do this with sign language, just to mm-hmm. check to make sure that the phone is still operating okay, because it, this it is... It looks like it is. We are at... Okay, you're... Okay. Now. Well, this will go past four o'clock. I just want to warn everybody that my three to four o'clock is uh, not going to happen. <laughs> so it's going to stretch a little bit longer because this opens up a very, very important topic that, that needs to be uh, discussed because this is one of the areas that has the greatest misunderstanding and brings about the greatest amount of bitterness, resentment, um, confusion, and it deals with communion itself. So the question being, can we go to another diocese or somewhere else that's offering communion to go receive communion? Now let's think about that. First off, we need to ask ourselves, what are we going to get? And I can't answer that question for people, but I'm guessing people are saying, I want to go get Jesus. Okay, but what if I told you that if you participate in a Mass, live-streamed, and you enter into that Mass, and you offer spiritual communion, you're getting Jesus. Not this, you know, generic Christian view of, oh, God's with me, he's in my heart type of nonsense. No. You're getting Jesus. Jesus. If you watch the Mass, live-streamed, and participate in the Mass, and you're not in a... Same rules apply. And you're not in a state of mortal sin. If you pray spiritual communion, you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus into your soul, the same as if you actually received a physical host. Because if you somehow think that the God who created the host, the God who actually makes himself present in the host can somehow not be present to you in the same capacity you shouldn't be receiving communion at all because you have no idea of what's taking place you have no idea what you're receiving this is God, he's not bound by anything he's not bound by the sacraments he gives us the sacraments as our means to enter into relationship with him We are bound by the sacraments. 
God said, this is the way that I normally want you to receive me. And you have to follow that rule until the rule no longer can be followed. And God says, when the rules can't be followed, for whatever reason, I have established my church to give authority to say, now you can receive sacramental graces without actually having to go through the same sacramental steps. And people think, well, that's just stupid. Well, to say that would be to say, okay, you've just called the church stupid, you've called almost every pope that's ever lived stupid, you've called most bishops and priests stupid, and you've called Jesus Christ stupid, you've called the Holy Spirit stupid, and if you're going to call those two stupid, you might as well call God the Father stupid. Because the church is the body of Christ, united, guided by the Holy Spirit, the spokesman for Jesus himself, established by him, with complete authority, who never errs on matters of church and uh, faith and morals. So if you think it's stupid, you can stand in line with all the other people that don't like the Catholic Church. Because there's other sacraments that guess what? In extraordinary circumstances, you receive the same grace, but you don't go through the same form. Confession is one. If you are unable to receive absolution from a priest because there absolutely is no priest available. You, just, you can't get to one. You're on an island. All the priests are dead. You're a thousand miles away. You're in a jungle someplace. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it might be. And you turn to God with the same disposition of heart as if you were in a confessional itself. Do you really think God's going to limit his grace of forgiveness and absolution because a priest doesn't put his hands over you? If you can get to a priest, you're obligated to go to the priest. If you can't get to one, then you give it your best, and God's grace will flow through that. All the sacraments are the same way. To anyone that I don't know of is, is ordination. I don't know how that works in, in confirmation. But baptism. It was called baptism of desire. Did you know that... This is a good teaching moment here. I love talking about teaching moments. When catechumens are going to enter the church, they haven't been baptized yet. The ones that are... Um, not yet baptized in any faith, so they haven't been baptized into any Christian religion, those catechumens. When they're in the RCIA program, once they get to a certain point in the program and they've kind of declared, I want to continue forward, if they were to die, they were entitled to a Catholic funeral. It's called baptism by desire. So if a person can't actually get baptized physically by water, but they have that desire in their heart and they truly desire to enter into the, the, the union with the church and become a member of the church from a spiritual standpoint when they die God treats them as if they've already been baptized original sin upon their death has been wiped away now it doesn't happen until they die so that means a catechumen just because they want to enter the church still has original sin because at any point they could walk away from the church and not get baptized so they're bound to follow through with it but if death were to prevent them from following through with it, then God steps into the picture and he baptizes them through their desire. Marriage is another example. There's not a priest within hundreds and hundreds of miles, and you, you can't get to one, whatever reason it might be. I mean, we don't think about that today because, it's, you know, if a priest is a thousand miles away, we just fly to him. But plenty of times in history that people have not been able to have access to a priest. It, it's not been available. Japan, again, I remember I was reading a story that there was a time in Japan where almost every priest in the entire country had been killed. For almost 200 years, the people did their best to pass on the Catholic faith, 
without the Mass ever being celebrated at all. They were no less Catholic, and the relationship with God was no less powerful. But anyways, I've gotten off track here. So marriage, if you have no access to a priest, you can actually marry each other. Well, actually, you do that anyways, even in normal circumstances. It's the, the, the man and the, the woman who actually marry each other, but the priest is a witness. Under normal circumstances, the church says you have to have the priest or deacon as a witness. They witness as the representative of the church. In abnormal circumstances, a man and a woman can marry themselves, and it's valid, which means they're bound then by the same rules of marriage as if they were married in front of a church. These are extraordinary circumstances. We don't often run into these, but they've happened. So communion, we're in an extraordinary circumstance. When you give yourself fully into the sacrifice of the Mass and you do a spiritual communion, you're receiving no less the divine grace than if you received the host itself. Because once again, the host is the normal means by which we receive. And the reason why God gives us a host and say, why doesn't he just give us spiritual communion is because he wants us to experience it in a physical way because we are body and soul. We are a people that have senses. We are a people that live in a physical world. So every sacrament has a physical component to it that's necessary because it draws the fullness of who we are into that sacrament. Every sacrament has a physical component to it. It's not just a spiritual thing. That's why we can't do confession sitting at home. That's why we, you know, we, uh, you know, confirmation requires this, blah, blah, blah. Won't go on at all the sacraments. Everyone has a physical component. So under normal circumstances, Jesus says, you need to physically do the act of eating and drinking because that is the physical relationship between me and you. It is what I've required of you when it's possible. But when you can't access it, Jesus says, I will access you instead. I will come to you because you can't come to me. So everyone's saying, can't you give me communion? I just want to run at home. I want to do this. You know, so the question is, can we just go to another diocese and receive communion? Yes, you could. The question would be, to what purpose? What are you looking for? People say, I want to receive Jesus. What do you want to receive Jesus for? And this is not a cynical question. It's not like one of the kids that says, why, why, why? But those why, why, whys are important. Why do you want to receive Jesus? I will tell you this. Driving to another diocese to receive communion without participating in the Mass is not better than actually participating in the Mass where you cannot receive the physical host. I can tell you that right now. Because this brings up an important question. If I were to ask you what is the most important part of the Mass, what's the most significant part of the Mass, or what makes the Mass significant, what's the answer going to be? The Eucharist. Okay, that doesn't make any... What do you mean the Eucharist? In what capacity? Its presence or what? So when you say the most significant part, the most important part is, is it the fact that it's just present or is it the reception of it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so, well, I asked this of somebody and they said, and they flat out said, I said, what's the most important part of the past? And they said, receiving Jesus. And I said, well, that sounds good, but you're absolutely wrong. And you think, what? 
You were told it's the source and summit of our faith. It is the source and summit of our faith. It's the source and summit of our faith because it is God himself being present in the world. But think about this. Our own church doctrine, if you think about this, tells us that receiving communion is not the most significant part of Mass. What did I say the church says was your Sunday obligation? Remember I said it is attending the Mass, correct? It's participating in the Mass. How often are we supposed to participate in the Mass? A year. Minimum. Once a year, right? You're supposed to go to Mass once a year. Well, okay. I thought that was our minimum. I said participate in the Mass. Every Sunday. Every And? On Holy Days of Obligation. Yes, so at a minimum... 54 times a year, we are obligated to go to Mass, presuming... Oh, it's receiving... I'm sorry, I just interrupted. It's receiving Eucharist that's once a year, we're told, right? Okay, so you kind of jumped clarify. the gun a little bit here. So, yes. <laughs> Our obligation is attend Mass, participate in the Mass, Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, which means at least 54 times out of the year, because with the Holy Days of Obligation, there's always some that fall. Sometimes it's more than that, but it's never less than 54 times. How many times a year are we obligated by church doctrine to receive the communion? You already said it. Once. Okay, the church itself, the church authority, you know, the big bosses out there, it is part of the doctrine of faith. It's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's in canon law. It says, you need to participate in the sacrifice of the Mass 54, at least 54 times a year. You only need to receive communion once a year. So if receiving communion was the highlight of the Mass, why does the church say 54 times go but only once receive? Because it is not receiving Jesus that is the most significant part of the Mass. It's entering into the sacrifice of Christ, which is the most significant part of the Mass. Receiving Jesus is a part of that, but it is not essential to it. Because if you're in a state of mortal sin, you are still obligated to go to Mass. If you choose not to go to Mass you commit another mortal sin. But you're denied communion. But it does not keep you from your Sunday obligation because you can still enter into the sacrifice of Christ in a state of mortal sin, but you can't enter into communion of the body of Christ because you've separated yourself. So we call it a spiritual communion because you enter into communion with Christ and his people through the grace of God. I forgot what the question was. What were we talking about? <laughs> well, uh, basically, that, you know, we think of oh, the receiving of the communion with going to Mass as the same thing. Like, I don't think we really discussed this right. as not being the same. And like you said, the highlight of the Mass, we were thinking as the source and summit of our faith as the Eucharist. That that when we say the it's the highlight. source and summit of our faith, it's. The Eucharist, okay, now we need to make a distinction. The Eucharist, as Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, is the source and summit of our faith. Because that is God. God is present in the world, so therefore all of our faith flows from that. It doesn't say the source and summit of our faith is receiving communion. There's a difference between Eucharist and receiving the Eucharist. And that is an important distinction because there have been plenty of saints throughout history that have been denied receiving communion. Either they've been put in prison, they've been isolated on another land someplace, they've been, you know, around, you know, 
kidnapped, whatever, by they've been in, in lands where they just couldn't have access to stuff, and communion was not available. Their relationship with God was in no way diminished because they could not receive Jesus. Because Jesus, in the form of the host and the wine, was not available, but that does not mean God's grace was not available. So running off just to receive a host, you need to ask yourself, what is your intention? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What do you want to gain from that? Because in normal circumstances, how would you go to receive communion? You'd go to Mass. I mean, most people wouldn't call up and say, oh, by the way, Father, it's Tuesday. You know, I, uh, can I just receive the sacrament? Now, actually, technically speaking, I won't get into that, but there are circumstances where that's actually allowable to be able to receive that. Well, what should our normal disposition be under normal circumstances when we're able to come physically back into the church building um, again, most of us think about when we're at Mass, we go and receive communion, understanding that, you know, we shouldn't have any mortal sins. But can you explain a little bit more about maybe there would be times that we should hold back on receiving communion, even under normal circumstances? Or not? Should we just always receive it? As long as we're not in mortal sin. Clarify. Well, presuming that we're not in mortal sin, the question is, should we always receive communion? And that's that's almost a pastoral response. That, that's almost a spiritual direction response. I can give you a quick thing of what I tell people. Ask Jesus. Before you go up, if you feel in any way, you know what, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I feel right going forward. If you feel like there's something that's keeping you from entering into the communion of others, even if you're not in a state of mortal sin, there are times that it might be beneficial to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself communion so that I can experience that loss of receiving him, kind of like, uh, almost like a fast from the body and blood of Christ to open ourselves up to a greater desire for him. It's almost like saying, I haven't really disposed myself properly, so therefore I'm going to withhold. And that's perfectly acceptable. Because again, you're not required to go to communion. And I think that's so important. Communion is not required. And if it's not required by the church, that means it is not essential on a regular basis to continue our union with God. It builds on that. It's an intimate moment that we get to share with Jesus. And it's a powerful moment and we should want it and we should dispose ourselves to it. Um, I don't know if children are watching, but you know what? It's, uh, it's part of life. When a couple is married, they have moments of intimacy, of physical intimacy. They're powerful moments. But if they choose to not have the physical intimacy and wait for a little bit, is their relationship diminished? No. They can still enter into a sacrificial union with each other. Their marriage is not less at that point. But the physical intimacy enhances their marriage. It builds it. And from that flows the fruit of what's so important is that's what brings about children into the world. And so communion becomes an essential part of the fullness of the relationship with God. But it doesn't have to be partaken of every single time you go to Mass. And there might be times that you think, I need to... Problem is, we tend to look at people that don't go to communion and what's the first people's first thought? 
Ooh, they must have a big sin. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, what did they do to not go to communion? And, and that's, that is, and as soon as you do that, your reception of Jesus when you come to communion has just been diminished. Your union with Christ has been lessened. Because you see, we keep thinking, I've got Christ in me. I've, I've received the host, so therefore fullness of Christ is in me. We've got to stop looking at it in, in these, these ways that deny what's really taking place. It's a relationship that's taking place when you enter communion. We call it communion because you're entering into union with Christ. You can be holding somebody close to you. You can be hugging them. You can actually be kissing them. And you can actually have no proper relationship with them. You can be totally different. A person who uses another person for closeness might be physically close, but the relationship is not close. And just because you receive Jesus, if your heart's not disposed to that, he's in you, but you're not in him. And that's what communion is all about. It's not a one-way thing, and that's what everyone seems to think. I get Jesus within me. I get Jesus within me. Jesus, when, he, when you come forward and he says, the body of Christ, I said this before at Mass, and I'm going to say it again. It is an entrance into the covenant relationship that you are renewing with Christ, and what you are saying is, I will be your people. You will be my God. You give yourself to me, and I give myself to you. It's a two-way street. You can't say I've received communion just because you received Jesus if you haven't given yourself over to him. It doesn't work that way. So even under a normal circumstances when you can receive the, the physical host and the physical wine, but that it's actually the body and blood of Christ, you need to offer yourself through that, into that, be a part of that, or else it, it lessens what's actually taking place. And if you're in a state of mortal sin and you come forward and receive communion, you haven't received communion, you simply received Jesus, but it's almost like, it's hard to explain, it's almost like you're a ghost and you put him into you and he kind of just falls through. Because there's been no uniting, none. Because you've separated yourself already from the body of Christ, and now you want to enter into that ultimate symbol of unity, there is no unity. You've blocked it. Jesus might be in you, but he's not in you. He's physically in you in that sense, but he's not in you. And I realize that gets very deep. But you know what? Our, our, mis our faith is a mystery, and that's, that's the truth of the faith. That's why they say don't receive Jesus in the state of mortal sin, because you actually eat condemnation on yourself, because you're trying to unite yourself to love when you have disassociated yourself with love. You've taken anti-love and brought it and tried to unite it. It's, you know, uh, it's kind of like, I don't know if St. Paul made this comparison, but it's kind of like a, a married man trying to unite himself to a prostitute. It just, there's not a unity there. Um, so, you, you've brought up, you know, just such a tremendous point, and I think we could 
delve into so much more from there. I am going to say maybe we could move into that idea of, so if we do have those, those sins in our heart and we need to get to confession right now because of these restrictions and the physical distancing, many people find that they're not able to avail themselves of the sacrament of confession and reconciliation. Could you explain to us what are we permitted to do right now? Can we call you and go to confession so that we can be in a proper state when we're able to come back and receive Jesus or even sacramentally to be able to approach that? Um, so could you tell us what are we permitted to do right now with confession? In our diocese, the bishop has just dictated that you cannot have any uh, assigned confession times for risk that people are gonna gather at that time. You are allowed to make an appointment you know, we do our best to try and keep some distancing. So the reason why you make an appointment is because you try and do it at a time when other people aren't there so that you can kind of keep somewhat of a respectful distance from the priest for his sake and your own. If you're terrified that Father Thomas is going to cough on you and you're going to, you know, get some, you know, horrible disease, then you want to keep your distance. So that is permissible. So we can make an appointment and still go to confession. We, we can you. still, confession is still available. It is just not available under a, under a pre-scheduled pre-scheduled time, but you can do that. Um, now, I, I wanted to bring up something dealing with confession because this is a good point um, that I thought was very interesting. So if you can't be close to each other, you know, how do you handle that? Um, because you cannot do confessions over the phone. Well, you did a penance service the other night, so that was not the same as confession, right? That Correct. I could not give absolution. Okay. However, in the penance service, if they were truly sorry for their sins and they offered that up and they, did their, their, they intended to do the penance that was given to them and they made the act of contrition and they truly in their heart said their sins to, to God and they gave them over to it just as if you would normal confession, the forgiveness of sins took place because God knows what was their heart. If they then make the attempt to try and get to confession as soon as you know, reasonably a grace of the sacrament took place at that time, but if they choose not to make an attempt to go, then they did not receive the grace of it. And only God knows the disposition of the heart. You know, the intention to go see a priest is good, but then if you just later say, forget it, you're supposed to go see the priest when it's reasonably possible. You know, you don't have to go run right away because then we'd have a you know, steamroll of things trying to do that. But when it's reasonably able to do that. Um, you know, it might be two months from now. But again, God's not bound by the time factor. We are bound by the time factor. So we have to try and do our best to enter into that. So so why do we have to go face to, like not face in, to face, there might be a screen, but why do we have to do it in person? This gets into the sacramental nature of, of, of the church. Every sacrament, as I said, has a physical component to it. Because every sacrament is relational. And so the reason why you have to actually be in the presence of the priest to the extent possible is because that is that relational aspect. There has to be a connection to some degree. Um, a priest cannot confect the Eucharist at a distance. He has to actually physically be able to touch the Eucharist because he has to consume it himself. If a priest does not consume the Eucharist, then it becomes invalid and it actually does not, it doesn't take place. 
That's the relational aspect to it, to the, the priest, to the actual physical presence. The people don't have to be there because the priest can be by himself. So now for communion as a sacrament, you can say, well, I'm not relationally not there. Well, it's, that gets really difficult because you are relationally there to the extent that you can be because, like I said, the church boundaries have now been extended outward. And that's communion. Yeah. So that's communion, confession, so confession. Do you have to be physically close enough to touch The somebody? priest has to be able to... You have to be in the vicinity for the priest. I, they haven't established how far away you can be, far, yeah. but essentially within earshot um, to some degree, which means if you're across a river and you can shout across the river and he can hear you, it counts. Well, why can't you do it over a cell phone then if you can just do it if you can hear them? Because there's not a physical ability, because the senses are no longer engaged. You can say, well, the, the audio senses are. There needs to be a relational connection to some degree. And because the church says so. <laughs> I mean, it might be in, in years the church might say confession, but I'm going to doubt it because they want a connection with the person that's administering the sacrament. There needs to be that connection. Like baptism cannot take place without them actually receiving it under normal circumstances. You know, they're supposed to actually, the water has to actually touch the person. Um, and the words have to be spoken. But in the case of confession, you can't do it because you've broken that relational connection with the, the priest. And so there ha it has to be something there. You can be at a distance. Now, as far as how far out, again, the church has not said 100 yards and it doesn't count or anything like that. I will tell you, there is a case where you can actually use your cell phone for confession. And when is that? When you're in within earshot, but your ears don't work very well. Because in this case, you could actually use the cell phone because it's not taking the place, I guess it's not violating the boundaries, it's now becoming a hearing device. Meaning, if you wanted to sit in the back of church a little bit, you want to be so far back that you want to be like really like... Like beyond the six feet. Beyond the six yeah. feet. However, you're thinking, I can't hear when I'm within two feet. I can't possibly hear if he's six feet away. And I've got people in the confession that are like, honestly, they're like, I can almost feel their breath. And they're like, I can't hear you, Father. And I said, if I speak any louder, the whole church is going to hear this. <laughs> they say, I still can't hear. So if somebody was six feet away, eight feet away, and they said, pick up your cell phone, and we can see each other talking on the cell phone, that actually would be acceptable because now it becomes a hearing device. Because if you use a hearing aid, it's the same thing. It'd be kind of like having a can, that tin can with a string on it. You could actually do that because it's now serving as an a, uh, augmentation of your own senses. Now, this gets into all other areas. Does that mean I can stand on a mountaintop with binoculars and we can see each other and then we can use cell phones? There's a boundary to certain things, but this is going to bring up an area the church has not yet quite figured out yet. So some of the stuff is going to be new. Um, you know, what exactly, you know, is our rights? How are we going to be able to handle this as we become more technologically advanced, as we have things that you can, you know, do stuff once we get to virtual reality, blah, blah, blah. Even like a virtual chat type of a thing. Right, uh, but as it stands right now, the church says confession over the phone without being physically present to each other is not valid. You can't do it. Or over the internet, any kind of Right, you can't do a chat room. No, no it, okay. doesn't, it doesn't count. But um, like you say, with your penance service, there are graces that you get as long as you want to get yourself physically to confession as soon as possible. Right. right, which means if you did the penance service and you died right afterwards, it's like what I talked about with catechumens. 
you still have received the grace of absolution because your heart was going to look for was going to you know move forward with it as when it could so you were in a state of grace at that point um again the, the sacraments are a mystery in fact in the eastern church you know they don't call them the sacraments they call them the mysteries now we know why because they're, they're <laughs> because a mystery, a mystery. <laughs> um well, I feel like we could really just keep going with this. It is almost 4.30, so I have a feeling we're going to probably wrap, have to wrap this up, it up here very soon. But I would, I would say, you know, I think we're getting some really positive responses from what I'm seeing, um, from people's Was feedback. Was there any questions? We Facebook. had a list of questions that um, we covered on we all We have of them. almost covered them all. I was going to um, ask you one more to kind of wrap it up. And I apologize, there were a lot of Hispanic comments that I'm not sure if they were questions or not because I don't speak Spanish. So for those of you um, speaking Spanish, I, I do apologize if there were questions I don't understand. Um, but maybe we could do another session on the sacrament of confession specifically because I feel like you've opened the door to a lot of questions in my head I'm sure other people too but we can come back to that so I'm going to say for right now you shed so much light for us on how do we avail ourselves of the mass and the sacraments during this time that we've just never seen a time like this before so let's fast forward into, you know, hopefully these restrictions will be lifted fairly soon. We will be able to get back into the church building um, and get back to, you know, the mass. However, many of us have gotten really comfortable watching it from home. We, we are enjoying sitting at home doing this. You just said we have our, you know, um, our, our church at home. Mm -hmm. the, what's that called again? The family church? The domestic domestic church. church. Um, so why can't we just continue to watch it at home? Maybe we're really enjoying a mass that's over in Europe someplace right now. Gosh, there's some really cool stuff coming out of Rome. I'd rather just sit at home on Sunday and watch the mass from Rome every, every time. Can we do that after we're allowed to come back to church? The simple answer is flat out no. Oh. Flat out no. You cannot watch a live stream of a mass at home once the church doors are opened because the church says under normal circumstances you are obligated to actually be physically present if you are capable. Now, if you're in a nursing home, you're sick, you, your car broke, let's just say for example, good example, you're driving to church and your car breaks on your side of the highway. You pull out your thing for Facebook and happen to, you know, normal circumstances and they decide to continue streaming and you pull out your phone you, oh, oh my gosh, Mass has just started. I'm going to pull over my car on the side of the highway. Your car's broken down, and you look at it on your phone. Absolutely, you have just participated in the Mass, and you receive the exact same graces. Absolutely. But you decide, you know what? I'm really kind of hungry on my way to church. You know, can we just pull over here, and we'll just watch it on our phone? No, it doesn't count. You have to be in the boundaries of the church as the church teaches when you are able or else you have not. Watching a live stream at Mass at home when you are fully capable of getting to church. And that means if you oversleep, it doesn't count. You can't do that. You can't oversleep at your church and then turn around and live stream somebody else's Mass and say, no, you have to actually do your best. The only time you can live stream and have it count is when you actually are restrained by something outside of your control from getting there. Oversleeping is within your control. Now, I will say this. Let's just say that you really mess up and you don't get to any church at all. You, it's like, I overslept. Oh, my gosh, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I went to a drunken stupor last night. You know, you know, I stayed up all night with a fiesta, whatever. And I just, I missed it. I missed them all. 
under normal circumstances, I'd say, yeah, you're, you, you screwed up. But the church would say, you didn't do that intentionally, and you intended to go, but you just made a mistake. You, you error. You could live stream a later, a live stream a later mass, and you still participate. But if you were in a drunken stupor the last night, and you missed it because you were in a drunken stupor, you then are the ones that are at, at fault, and so therefore you've committed a mortal sin because you put yourself in a state by which you missed mass through your own negligence. That gets into a whole other moral area, but the point is, once we can get back into the church, you have to be in the church. End of story. You have to treat mass as if the virtual world doesn't exist. But if you can't actually get to the church, you're restricted again, by things outside your control, then it works. So this is going to be a whole area where the church is, is going to have to rewrite a lot of rules and canon law as far as how, this, how we handle this. Um, because when you can't get to church, the church teaches that you're not obligated to go to church. So if you, have a, if you break down someplace and you, you get a flat tire, and there's no other churches reasonably close to you, then you're not obligated to go. If you're sick at home, you're not obligated to go. If you're in a nursing home, you're not obligated to go. So it's the same rules, so that you're not obligated to attend if there's circumstances that do it. But if you can attend, you're obligated to physically be present. You gotta get there. Gotta make it. So sitting at home, if you sit at home and live stream, a mass, when you could have been to church, you've committed a mortal sin. End of story. You have not participated in the sacrifice of Christ. You've cut yourself off from the body of Christ. It's teaching of the church. You, it's violation of the third commandment. It's a violation of the authority of the church, of, of, of what's necessary. One of the precepts of the church is, is going to mass and holy days. And it's a rejection of entering into that union with, with your fellow brothers and sisters. Okay. As we start to wrap up, do you feel like you could just summarize a little bit of this in a sentence or two? I feel like you know, a lot of it comes down to how we view these things. Is it an obligation and that, or is it the, the desire of our heart in union with that obligation gives us those graces? Could you clarify that? Maybe let's make a little kind of wrap up. Yeah, it's one of the most important lines in all of scripture. And Jesus had said it and God said it multiple times to the Israelites. It is obedience I desire and not sacrifice. Now when he says sacrifice, he means ritual sacrifice. He means don't follow the letter of the law. Follow me, meaning you obey me to the best of your ability. And so when you do that, everything else works out. So the wrap-up is you do what you're supposed to do to the best of your ability, and when you can't do what you're supposed to do through new fault of your own, you do what you can. You give God, you can. The church teaches that we, God never expects you to do more than what you can do. The church says flat out, I don't expect you to do more. I don't expect you to give more than you can give. I don't expect you to be at Mass if you can't be at Mass. I don't expect you to, you know, do things that you can't do. We give our best. And in this situation right now, what is our best? to sit at home, respectfully pay attention to the Mass, if it's live streamed. Now, you don't even have to do that, though. <laughs> you know what, I want this to be part of part two, because I want to get into the morality of it, 
because this brings up a whole other area, and I'm just going to say this flat out. My opinion, the church has not declared this. This is my opinion, and we'll call it quits, and we'll just end with a little Our Father prayer. If you have the ability to watch Mass on Sunday's live stream and you choose not to, my opinion is you've committed sin. But since the church has declared that our responsibility to go to Mass has, has been, um, we've been dispensed with, I can't declare that. I'm, that's my personal view, that you are choosing to not participate you know, when the opportunity is there. And if you're able. If, you if you're able, right, TV right. If you have internet, stuff, you don't have to go out of your way. You don't have to go to, like, go to the library or something like that to watch it. That's kind of going out of your... It would be great, but you're not obligated to. But this brings up a whole other moral issue that will be in part two of, of what we're at right now. So I didn't... I expected this to go three to four, and we're now out like past four o'clock. So I apologize, but you're at home, and... This was one of those times that you would could kick up your feet and sit back with a cup of coffee. <laughs> or pause and come back or to it. Or pause and come back come later. Back so you can yeah, watch it recorded. This is not, I'm not celebrating the Mass. You know, I'm in just my regular, my regular digs here. So you can watch this whenever you feel like it. And you, know, you don't have to watch it at all. Um, so there's graces by spending the time here listening. But this isn't the Mass. So you can do whatever you want with this. Well, and I just want to thank you so much again. Um, I myself have learned so much and I do feel like this is going to be helpful for so many people so I know that you're not only going to have it on your Facebook page but I think you've got a YouTube channel as well that maybe we can go ahead and put this on at some point and people can share it um, as we end this you were talking about saying in our father which would be absolutely beautiful and if you would maybe give people a blessing so I have one final question I know I thought I was almost mm -hmm. done um, does a can you give a blessing in a recorded version like this does it count do we get a blessing when you're doing it like this or the blessing counts if it's live again the blessing works in the same way as the sacrifice of the mass it is okay. an event taking place in real time that's not bound by space so if you're watching and i give you a blessing you receive the blessing if you re watch it recorded you do not it's limited based on again we're, we're limited in our time uh element but not in the spatial element so okay all right and now there's probably you know i probably opened up a can of worms which is fine there's probably thousands of questions you're more than welcome to you know maybe post some on facebook um some questions and we'll i'll do round two and try and get to some of those now i again this is an area where the church is still learning and hasn't declared certain things um the church might come back later and say live streaming never counts as participating in the Mass. They might, that's their authority to do that. But right now they haven't declared that, so it counts. Um, I think they will say it counts, but I, again, and they might at some point say, you can't ever pick up a cell phone and use it. That's like, we can't celebrate the Mass using an iPad. It's, now it's still valid, but it's illicit, so we get in trouble. But um, So the, there's things going on that the church is still gonna work out. So some of the stuff is kind of fluid. So I'm just telling you things the way they are right now. And if I confused you, well, that's just par for the course. Um, you know, that wasn't my intention, but I hope this helped people to realize that even when we're restricted in what we normally can do, we're never restricted in our ability to enter into relationship with Christ more deeply, never. And that is what all of this is about. That's what the mass is about, it's what communion is about, it's what confession is about. 
That's what prayer is all about. That's never restricted, no matter what. And we need to hold on to that because there are times that we don't have access to things, but we always have access to God's grace, always. And that's important to remember. It's not receiving a physical host that enters into the communion with Christ. It's emptying our heart out is what allows us to enter into communion with Christ. And so let's just stop at that point in speaking of that host. We speak about daily bread. And our Father is a way of asking God to bring inside that. So let us pray together in the words that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, have a beautiful evening, beautiful rest of the week. In fact, why don't you just have a beautiful life and carry that into all eternity. God bless.